0: Our sister tribe is steeped in the belief that women support women. The world becomes a more connected place. The tribe was built on a foundation of strength, love, and community. We are a group of women on a journey of transformation through mindful practices and intentional living. This pathway of endless discovery will create space for greater shifts within each phase of life. Welcome. My name is Jean Wilbert, and I'm a trained yoga therapist and wellness advisor. I've been teaching yoga for 15 years, and I specialize in sound and energy work as well as trauma. Our Sister Tribe podcast has a mantra. We learn it, we live it, and then we lead it. I will help you to discover blind spots you may not realize you had, as well as help you recognize your inner potential. Remember, our story is not to limit us in life, but to help guide us to our full awareness. The answers you seek are within. You simply need to hear them. So come join us on this journey with both an open mind and an open heart. Let's get started. Welcome back, my friends. Oh, my goodness. Here we are again, another week, another podcast, and I'm Jean. Today, I thought I'd give you a little bit of the background of my book that is uh, coming out, and it might be out when this podcast comes out. So we'll see. It's it's in its final stages. So my book um, is called Under the Dryer, and what is that, right? What is that name? So some of you know that I was a hairdresser. And I'm going to take you back all the way of the the beginning of this journey and where it got stuck and and how it got um, completed. So when I was in high school back in the day, uh, we you could take these like um i I think they're called invocation classes, so you could take these um they're almost like they were some of them were jobs and some were like trade schools. And my junior year, I knew that I was gonna to have to go all day my senior year, where most of my friends were gonna get out by noon. I don't know what happened, how I didn't have enough credits, I don't even know. And in um I don't remember what class it was, but they handed out these pamphlets that had said, you know, if anybody really kind of knows what they, you know, they want for their career, uh, here's some opportunity. Or if you want to, you know, get into a career you're thinking of, this is a place that you can work, right? After school, next year, you'll go and you'll work for these companies. So it was a list, you know, of quite a few. And then right at the bottom, it had hairdressing school. It actually was cosmetology school is what it said. And I thought, oh my gosh, I was toying with what i was going to do after high school now at that time i was a pom pom girl in the day in arizona they called them pom pom girls which was we danced in between um you know halftime at football games and basketball games and so i was a dancer i took dance i danced pretty much most of my young adulthood and i really wanted to do something with dance like that was my dream like where was i going to take it But when this came along, I thought, oh my gosh, when I was a kid, little, when I was young, every stinking Barbies, when we lived in in New York at the time, upstate New York, Rochester, I had lots of Barbies and I had a Chrissy doll. And if you're as old as me, I'm 57, you might remember the Chrissy doll. And so... I remember one afternoon, I think it was right after I came home with my mother, my mother went every Saturday, it was a Saturday, um, to the beauty parlor, they called it, and she got like an updo, like every Saturday for many years. And I would go, I don't know why, you know, there was five of us at the time. And, you know, I don't know, but I always seemed to go with her or my little sister would would tag along once in a blue moon. But I always seemed to go and I don't know if it's because I wanted to or she made me and I don't know. But I went and I loved it. I remember sitting in these salons and just watching it and smelling all the smells from perms to hairspray. And I was fascinated. I knew when I was little, I, I loved hair. Like I loved it. I used to play with my older sister's hair. Um... And even my little sister's hair. So one afternoon, I remember coming home and I was just, I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like that. So I started to cut all of my Barbie's hair. And the Chrissy doll, the actual Chrissy doll, she was a redhead, which I'm a redhead today. Um, I love that color. And, and the, the Chrissy doll used to be retractable, like you could pull her head, her hair, not her head, <laughs> her, her hair out of her head. And it would become different lengths. She could have this long do or she could have this little short, little sassy do. And I even cut her hair. So I pulled it all out and I cut it. She had like these sprouts on the top of her head. And all my Barbies, if you could cut their hair, they were all cut. And the hair was like all over the, my, my bedroom floor. I'll never forget. It. I believe I was like seven, around seven. And my mom had come walking in and she blew a gasket. Like she was so mad you know, about how much money they spend for this and how dare I, you know, um, cut these dolls' hair. And I was trying to explain to her, I go, I was just practicing, I want to be a hairdresser when I grow up, I want to be a hairdresser. And she, you know, of course, poo-pooed that and she scooped up all the Barbies and she scooped up that Chrissy doll and threw them in the trash. Let me tell you, that was so traumatic (laughs) for me at that age that I was just... I thought I was doing a good thing. I thought I was practicing and, you know, I just couldn't believe that she actually threw them away. And I kept telling her that, you know, I wanted their hair short, like I can still play with them, you know, and she just didn't, she didn't even hear it. It was out in the trash. So I definitely cried for for literally days and days and days. And one of the reasons I cried is because I knew, um, I wanted this Chrissy doll actually for a, a good couple of years. And I remember asking for the crystal, doll, and one Christmas, I didn't get it. And then, you know, wanted it for my birthday and didn't get it. And, you know, and finally, you know, for my birthday one year, I did get the Chrissy doll. So I think my mom was so mad, because I don't think it was a, you know, cheap doll to get. Because you could dress her up and, you know, put makeup on her and stuff like that. So, you know, I think my mom was just mad because I asked for it and asked for it, and I cut her hair. But she didn't realize I was just, you know, I was in training. Like, that's how I look at it. I was just in training. Um, so that's where the hairdressing thing came. And so I knew like young, like I always said, I was always playing with hair, always playing with my cousin's hair, my hair, trying to do different things. And when this deal came up in high school to go you know, to cosmetology school, I thought that's it. And it gave me extra credit so I could still get out at noon, but I could go right to hairdressing school. And I would have enough credits to graduate high school and and have a license. By the time I graduate high school, I could graduate cosmetology school. So I remember coming home that night super stoked. And I remember um, my mom actually was home before my dad that day, which is really rare at that time. My dad always was the first home. And I remember telling my mom about it. I'm like, oh, my God, do you think Dad would do this? I, I really want to go to beauty school. I could do it after, you know. Um, high school and it gives me extra credit and you know, I like begged 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 and my mom went nothing to do with it She was like you got to ask your father. You know, that's a lot of money and At the time, you know, we're talking, you know 1982 um, It was three hundred and fifty dollars for me to go to cosmetology school now for yes a family of five children and, you know, they had lots of, I had older brothers and sisters and, and, you know, they were already gone. And technically it was really, cause it was my junior year. So technically I was really the only one home. My brother was in the Navy and, um, you know, I, I, I thought, what's $350? It's not like there, you know, it's a lot of money. Well, my mom's like, Oh, it's a lot of money. You gotta ask your father. And so I remember at after dinner, I remember because I was scared to death. Like I was, we're all scared of my dad. Um, and so I was like, I just got to ask him. And after dinner was done, you know, I cleared the plates and I just said, dad, can I ask you something? And he's I go, can I talk to you? And he's like, yeah. And I remember sitting down and handing him this pamphlet and saying, this is an opportunity that I think is going to be one in a million. I go, first off, I was giving him my spiel and I gave him the spiel that, you know, I don't have enough credits. I'd have to go all day. And I always wanted to do this. And I, I reminded them of how I cut the Barbies dolls, which, you know, my dad chuckled and my mom rolled her eyes. I'll never forget it. And I said, dad, it's only, you know, $350. I'm like, I mean, really, in that time, I I really think, I think it was only like $1,800 to act back then to go to hairdressing school. Because it was about 16 months, I believe, 16 or 18 months. And I had to start at the end of my junior year in high school. So I had to go almost, I didn't have much of a summer that year. So, you know, my dad goes, Were you going to give up your summer? And, you know, how are you going to get there? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that was a, that was an issue. And my dad said, if you can figure out how you can get there, because you know, my dad at the time didn't let us kids get our driver's license. I know I couldn't, I couldn't get my driver's license until I was 18 and I still was 17. So I didn't drive and he, none of us, he never gave it. We never had cars. We always had to use their cars. And so he's like, if you can figure that out, he goes, then I'll, I'll, I'll do this for you long as you make it a career. Don't go to this school. I mean, I got the lecture. Don't go to the school. I spend this money. And then you decide you don't want to. And I kept saying, no, I know this is what I want to do. I know it, dad. I know it. And so I went back to school like that following day and asked the lady that was ahead of all of this. I said, can I find out if there's anybody else here? And our school, I was from, you know, it was in Phoenix, Arizona. It was called Moon Valley High School. Moon Valley Rockets. We were the Rockets. Anyways, um, I had asked the lady, I said, you know, would there be a chance of me ever finding out if there was other women, you know, girls in the school going that I could find someone to ride with straight here from high school? You know, go right to beauty school because that's what you you'd had to do. I had to be there by one o'clock. I was out at noon and the lady goes, "Well, sure, I'll wait and we'll see if somebody signs up." And you know, we'll 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 help you find that that ride, I go, because that's the only thing that is holding me back is is really finding a ride. And honestly, within like a day, I you know, gave her my number, she actually called the house and said, "You know, we have somebody that's going." And I actually asked the young lady, you know, how she's getting there, and she said she drives and has her own car. And I asked her if she'd be willing to drive someone you know to school uh, because she doesn't have a ride and when she told her my name she goes oh I know Jean yeah I can take Jean and that was it I remember hanging up the phone going to my dad and being like okay I got a ride and I and and so um, we he did it he wrote a check I brought it into school and then I ended up you know calling this girl her name was Julie And she felt if, you know, if I drove her, it was only fair that I gave her five bucks for gas each week. And so I was like, "Uh uh-uh. And I remember telling my dad this. I was like, okay, Dad, I got a ride. But now she tells me that, you know, which I understand that, you know, she's going to be coming out of her way just a little bit, but not much. She's coming out of her way. I'm on the way to the school, but she still has to make a couple detours to pick me up and, and take me home. And I go, she wants $5 a week for gas. So $20 a month for gas. And he pondered for like, you know, a second. And he goes, I'll give you the gas money. And again, I remember my mom rolling her eyes because she can't believe it. She always couldn't believe it. Like, my dad was a softie for me when I was a little bit younger. So that was it. Started my, my career of being a hairdresser. And... I did. I went right before high school, uh, my last year in high school. So I started my junior year right after my junior year, I went to cosmetology school and I knew I had to go into the following August. So I started, I believe in mid June and, and went to the following year in August and that was it. I started hairdressing and I knew, uh, I, I, I knew I was in the right place. I did. You know, I was cutting hair, like they call it on the floor, when I was 17. Like, we went through this six week program, we went through this practical, and then we started to, you know, cut behind the scenes. And then it was like within, I think, three months, you were like cutting hair. And I was cutting hair, 17 years old. So, and I loved it. I had actual regulars. I'll never forget this one. Um, it was a young man. His name was Rory. I know that's weird how I remember that, but I do. And he came in every month and asked for me. And I had these regular ladies that wanted these updos, which I was horrible at. You know, those you put the, the rollers in their hair, and then you put them under the dryer. I was horrible. But I don't know. Some, these women like me, and they came back. So I had regulars even in beauty school, which, you know, is really, it was so fun. It really was so much fun. I had so much fun in beauty school. These women that I hung with, it just, it started that that, you know, journey of of what I thought, okay, it's gonna be so fun in a hair salon, and it was. So, so I'm still moving along in my story, how did I I get to this book? So, right after I graduated high school, two months later, I did graduate um, from hairdressing school. And I think I've told you before, you know, I did get pregnant when I was 18, so right after I graduated, I knew I was pregnant, and Um, I eventually I didn't um, I graduated beauty school but I didn't get a job right away because I was pregnant and I just felt like nobody was gonna hire me so I waited until I had my daughter in December and I was only off for one month for maternity leave and I immediately got a job and the first salon I went to was through a friend that graduated, knew this place. They were hiring and they needed people and I immediately got a job. And so I worked in this, you know, first salon, um, it was probably a good, I'd say, I don't know, about a year and a half, maybe two years. And within six months, eight months, six months, the owner had asked if I would be an assistant manager. You know, I knew nothing. And it that was the first salon in my career just, just like escalated from that. Like I, I managed or was assistant manager in every salon I ever worked at and never had management really training. I just, you know, watched the managers because I was assistant for many salons before I became a manager for other salons. But, you know, I just, I knew that I could do that. Like I knew I could, you know, be a manager and be responsible and, and do the job. And so for the first 10 years of my career cutting hair, I worked for someone else and again, managed. So it's, you know, part of it, it's, it's in the book, but I'm not going to be too much of a spoil alert, but it was because of working in one of these salons that, um, something had happened. You have to read the book. (laughs) And, um, I just decided that I was going to open up my own salon. And, you know, now, you know, that I can, I can look back you know, on life and you never know, you know, back then it was, it was really, um, upsetting. And, um, I, I just, I, you know, sometimes when you, when you can't even think straight, you're like, why did things happen the way they happened? But, you know, now I know, you know, I probably would have never opened up my salon if this didn't particularly happen to me. So I, uh, remember coming home, and that's just, I was married to my second husband at this time, and I remember just saying, um, he got like, he got a bonus check. I'll never forget it. He got a bonus check, and then he got some money from his, his real father, and so I knew we had like extra money in our savings, and when I had asked him, I had said... Mm-hmm you know, I'm going to open up a salon and you're not going to tell me no. And I know this is the right thing to do. There's something inside me that says I need to do it. I've managed every salon in 10 years. And I know we have this extra $11,000. You know, I'm going to take that $11,000 and open up a salon with it. And I'm going to try and I'm going to do my best to do it with the $11,000. Now I had no clue, absolutely no clue. I can't even believe that I would think I could open up a salon with $11,000. Now we're talking about 1993 is when that happened. Yeah. And then, um, shortly, yeah, it was shortly after because it opened in 1994, my salon, and it took about, I want to say six or seven months. So I'm pretty sure it was around that time, but I remember him saying, um, fine, you you do it. You but I'm not giving you a dime more. You have to do it for eleven thousand dollars. No. Who you know, who would have ever thought that I could do it, but I did, I pulled it off. And I remember calling everybody that I knew that had a salon or somebody that knew somebody that had a salon or and I I had this really good rapport. When you are in a hair salon, we had, they're called reps from beauty, you know, supply houses. And they would come in, you know, pretty much every week. And so, you know, I was always working in the same kind of area. So you always had the same reps coming and going. So I knew I had these, this good rapport because I was a manager in all these places. And, you know, I I dealt with them weekly. And so I thought, I'm just going to call them and ask them, you know, do they have, you know, information or, you know, could they help me, you know, design stations or however it would be. It's almost meant to be. It was pretty effortless to tell you the truth. Uh, somebody was overlooking me or something because it was just flawless. I remember there was a couple speed bumps and I explained it in in the book but I had some negative people and um, I didn't allow that to stop me. There was just something in my gut that just was telling me to do this and I did. I and then I, I my um, ex father in law. I remember you know telling them, and my ex father in law was thrilled. Now he helped babysit my children, which was interesting, right? A grandpa babysitting my kids. But he he retired when my son, my second child, was born, because he wanted to help us, and he was so happy that we had a son. And he babysat a lot actually, because my mother in law used to work, and he didn't, and he was a little bit older than her, but. Um, so he was really watching my children when I worked and he continued to watch my kids for many years, but he, um, because it was my ex-husband's stepdad, he had a son and he goes, I'll ask my son, you know, to help. And I remember telling him, I don't have much money. You know, I only have this certain amount of money and I got to get it all done. So, you know, I have to, I have to figure it all out in this, in this budget. And he's like, Will you do this. He said, you know, find a place and then find out how much everything's gonna cost you and see what you have left over. And then, you know, I'll, we'll figure it out. And I honest to God, I I, I don't, like, granted, I, I had stations, I found a retail place, I had a, I had to give a deposit down, which was amazing. I had to give, you know, a first month's rent ahead of time. And um, everything worked out. I, I, I don't understand, because my, my father-in-law always kept saying, Oh, my son owes me. My son owes me. My son owes me, and you know, blah blah blah. But you know, he never told me, and I don't even know to this day. I think he paid him something, because I I barely paid him. Like I, you know, and he put up walls. Um, they helped paint. I did. I had family help paint. Like we we did a lot of stuff. Like I could. I went in there and helped as much as I could to set this. You know, we this the salon up. It was just in a retail center with a bunch of other, you know, shops on a main you know, street and, you know, where I lived and stuff. So we, I did it. It was success. It it opened up and, um, I did everything for the amount of money, Uh, but to believe it or not, I'm going to be honest with you. I I still don't even know how I did this. I mean, I really didn't even have any capital. I didn't have any cushion. Really. I, I bought just enough product, what I could afford. And, um, then I started to hire, uh, hairdressers, which was like, so easy it it was like I put an ad in the paper and I I got I, I was full when I opened the door September 21st 1994 I had nine hair stations four nail tech stations I had a massage room and a facial room and I also had like a little back room for um, like the washer and dryer and a table and a refrigerator that kind of held all of our product, and then I had this little bitty, gosh, I'll think about it now it was like as small as my closet that I'm in doing this podcast, and it, well, I made this so if they want somebody wanted a pedicure in private, they could go in this little room, and we had a chair and and stuff in there, so, uh, it was twenty seven hundred square feet my salon which is a pretty decent size and you know, the first, some of the stuff I, you know, I, I look back after, you know, writing the book and I I probably left a lot of stuff out, you know, first when I started to um, think about the the book, I, when it originally came up, like so, so many years went on and in the first couple of years, and I did kind of write this in, in the book that it was rough, right? We, you know, I, it, I, I, people quit and, I fired people and and it did like any business uh, it took some time to get established with with the people I thought were were a good fit with me even and and then after a few years it just it just was smooth sailing it, re- it really was but it wasn't until probably about 4 or 5 years because so many things were kind of happening like just weird stuff was happening and my My really dear friend back then was uh, Denise, and I'll never forget it. I still remember the day. It was like one of those moments in your life, like it was it was frozen in time that you you really remember it. And then I think now, it was probably meant to be. So I did remember it that she was under the dryer, and um, you know I was highlighting her hair, and I was just telling her about you know just the the crap that just it was constant. It was just something was always going on or just weird, bizarre stuff was going on. And, and, um, I was telling her and she goes, Gene, you gotta, you gotta write a book. I like, keep, keep track and, and write a book. You gotta write a book about this stuff. Like think about everything that has kind of happened in the last few years. Like, like that's just weird. And at first I used to always think, what am I doing? Like, why is it happening to me? Like I couldn't, I could never figure it out. And, so I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. You know, but I, you know, I said, but I can't write and I'll never forget. She was like most ever you can get like they're ghost writers and there's people that help you to write. And so, um, I was like, yeah, I guess I could do that. But now back in the day in the nineties, you know, nobody was going to pick my book up, right? You to, to self publish was rare, right? But that point on, I just, I took, like Barnes and Noble back then always had these self-publishing people do talks. I went to more talks. I can't, I can't even tell you how many talks I went to and workshops of how to self-publish because I thought I'm going to have to self-publish this because I'm a nobody, right? And, you know, so I, I took all these classes and then at that time I thought okay this is my time you know I was going back to school and I was taking just kind of like classes cuz I wasn't sure what I was doing and so I started to take like English classes and I and I remember telling this English teacher this this man like I went back to school cuz I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in life and you know I've been in school and I thought I you know I needed to take you know more classes that were going to be credited you know for something that I want to do and I go I'm really not good at writing. So I'm taking English to, to make sure I, but that never helped me. Anyways, this man literally, um, would have me come in and he'd help, help me write and help me like, you know, don't do this, don't that. And never stuck. I don't even know why, but I mean, I had people along my, my life just, just there that kind of helped. And I'll never, I don't remember his name, but it was really nice because he, he wanted me and he did at one time. Tell me um, if he, if I wanted him to, you know, look over the book and I was so paranoid back then, you know, of just getting too close to, you know, I didn't really know him and, and then letting my book out and, you know, protecting it. And I, and I, again, I remember my girlfriend, Denise, you know, saying, um, let's call it, um, under, I think it was like under the dryer. I think it came from her. I'm pretty sure she was the one that said, let's name it under the dryer. We were, we were, I remember talking about like, let's do it to where it can really relate to the. And we just kind of came up with it and she was under the dryer. Like she was under the dryer. And I remember saying, Oh, you're under the dryer. And I swear, that's how I think it came. And she was like, yeah, we should just, you should name it under the dryer. And I totally, I remember going up to the front desk and writing it down and then over the course I just sat down and started to write some of these stories that had happened. And it started like way back then, it was probably 1998 ish or so when I started to just get the idea and she helped me. And then, um, I just started keeping track and writing stuff down and that was it. So the book started with one of my girlfriends under the dryer. That's where the name came from. So, um, Years had went on and I still continued, you know, I got divorced in 1998, still owned the salon and still kept track. And I tried to write and then I didn't write. And I just really felt, um, I mean, I look back now, I just was just not confident and enough and didn't have that enough support, I guess, or guidance. I just, I always felt like, I just didn't have enough information and there was nobody that I knew that, uh, you know, wrote a book or, or, or actually do it. And even though I went to these workshops and they always said, you know, call them if they have questions, but I just wasn't secure enough. I just didn't have enough courage in me to, to ask for help. And, And I just kept putting the book aside and, and putting the book aside, but I kept, I had this huge binder and, originally I thought I'm just going to put like these little short stories of, of things that happened. And, and then I changed it. And then I, I, I honestly got, I kept bouncing back and forth, back and forth. I changed it. I write something or I had a, I had a a chapter and then I'd pull it out and then I'd pull, it just became this like, just it was chaotic. There was no structure. There was no nothing. And, and I, and I gave up a lot of times, but I never got rid of the, the stories and all my little notes and I ended up having this really big binder full of stuff and then I met my husband and I remember telling him my current husband Terry that you know I don't even remember how it even got brought up it got brought up probably the first year we were dating or something and because I think something happened at the salon and I, I think that's what it was yeah something happened in the salon and I was writing down something and putting it in there. And he's like, you know, what are you doing? And I go, well, someday I'm going to finish writing this book, you know, about the salon and just things that have happened here. And he was like, oh my God, what a great idea. He goes, why aren't you finishing it? And I remember saying, I just, I, I, I'm not a writer. I can't spell. I'm not good with English. You know, I have the stories, but I'm not, I'm not confident at all. And then he said, I'm sure we can find an editor. I'm sure we can find a ghostwriter. Just write it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I'd start again. And then it would, you know, the doubt um, would just, it, it, the doubt would just envelope me, like completely paralyze me, literally. And it was like on my birthday after we were dating a couple years, he made this, this mock or fake or his version of what he thought I was thinking of of what my book would look like and he had a friend of his you know make a a fake kind of book cover and and he put it over just some random book and I was like oh my god and I go w-, I go why are you doing this and he's like you need to finish that book like I don't I don't understand why you're so fearful of of doing it and I just go I I just I'm not And it was that, you know, those limiting beliefs, those, those little, that, that little gene always in my ear or even hearing, you know, my my dad, God rest his soul. Um, you know, used to call us kids stupid all the time. And I just, it just, it was my belief system that I really wasn't smart enough to do something like that. You know, I was just a hairdresser. What was I thinking? And, and he just like encouraged me and encouraged me for years and I'd start, I'd do it again and I'd pull out and I'd start again and I'd pull out. And then once we got married and we moved here in Texas, my husband had said, listen, I want you to take time off. I want you to take time off because now there is no excuse. Cause I always made an excuse that it was the kids or I was just too busy and didn't have the time or I, you know you have to be in this mindset to to write and i I don't you know there's just too much going on, so he just said, All right, we're here in Texas. I want you to take the next whatever three, four five, six months off just just whatever you need to get adjusted because i it was um I was like in a huge funk when I moved here, you know I gave up i I did sell my salon actually like like three years earlier, and I went on my own, I still kept the name, but I went on my own and rented like um, a space. It was called like salon suite. So I, 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 so I still had a dore. It was called, I should tell you, it was called a dore hair salon. And, um, so when we moved here, I, I, you know, I gave up all my clients. I, I believe I had well over 200 clients and I had snowbirds and I had people that sometimes I'd only see once or twice a year. Cause that's when they only did. And, you know, but I had this really big clientele and you know, that's, I lived in, in Arizona, you know, Most of my life and my whole life was there and then two of my kids stayed and so I was really kind of in a funk and He's like, you know go to yoga and I did so for the first two months. I just I just took yoga every day and I thought you know Maybe just doing yoga. I would feel better and I did and so it's about two months We were here and I finally looked him and I said okay. I go. I think I'm ready to write and he, I said, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go somewhere. So I went off. We we looked online. I took my our dog. We had a, a little dog. His name was Bo. He was a Bashan Maltese. And I said, I'm gonna take the dog with me. And I rented this cute little cabin on um, this prop. These people had like this cabin on their property. It was by Tex- Texoma Lake, so north of here. And I rented it for a weekend. And that's what I did. I went one weekend and just wrote, and that was probably the most I've ever, I, or I felt over the twenty years, probably, or fifteen years by then, uh, that there was a mo- that was the most I ever had written and didn't really felt good about it. But I was changing things then, and I was changing, you know. It, it, again, it was started to keep changing. And it kept changing, kept changing, and so I felt like I was almost at square one again. About probably six years ago, well, more than six years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, it was about 10 years ago. <laughs> it's was 10 years ago uh, or so. No, that was more than that. Oh, my gosh. We've been here. My gosh, how time flies. So, really, I guess I started writing it. It's been 13 years since we lived here. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. 13 years ago. What was I thinking? Six. Dear God. Time has gone by. So, I started writing again. But then, you know, life started to spin. I, you know, I got a job cutting hair um, and then started teaching yoga and I put it back on the side burner. And I remember my husband asking me over the years, what are you doing with that book? What are you doing with that book? And I was just like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just doubtful. I just, I don't know. Would somebody really want to be interested in it? And, It changed from my personal story to characters, to my personal story, to characters quite often. And then it didn't come around again until two years ago. It was Oprah's 2020 vision tour. And that event was an all day event it was 9 to 4 here in Texas. And I remember asking everybody I knew. We texted me and my girlfriend, Misty, and just asked everybody to come. Like, who wants to go with us? Oprah's coming. Let's go. And granted, it was $140 a ticket. And I just didn't want to put a price on seeing Oprah. Like, I always wanted to go to her show. Never made it to her show. And that was a joke over the, over the years of this that I was going to be in her book club. One day with my book, and I never finished the book. So I was like, "Okay, I never made it to her show, so I'm gonna go to this event at least, you know, see her and and listen to what she said." I honestly, God, me and Misty had no idea really what she was talking about. We just we didn't care. We just went, and it was at her event that we did this uh, workbook, and it you made a commitment, and like she kept saying, like, "What have you put off?" for decades? Or what have you had a dream and you've never done it before? What have you wanted to always do? And she said, this is your decade. This is it. 2020. You're going in and I want you to make a commitment to yourself. And it was, I'll never forget, it was February 15th, 2020, one day before my 55th birthday. And It was, seriously, it it, it was just, I felt just uh, everything that everyone she talked to, everyone she had, everything she said, oh, it was just heartfelt and so empowering. And I mean, I didn't even know her real personal story. We heard her personal story. And and at the end of this whole thing, there was like a little contract in the back of this workbook. And then I wrote in there, you know, one of the things I'm going to finish, hopefully this decade as was was my book and start a women's group i did write those two things down and that was it honest to god it was one week later i happened to be with my boss brenda and we do teacher training for lifetime fitness and we were sitting having an open house and we were just standing there and I was telling her all about Oprah and I mean I I was like on this high I felt like I was high all week and and using all her quotes you know during the the week for classes and and then one of the teachers that worked for us at that time I walked in and was like what do you guys talk about you guys are like in this in-depth conversation and I was telling like oh my gosh you know I went to Oprah and and oh my God, it was just, just mind blowing. And I was telling her all about it. And I said, I made a commitment. I, I told myself I'm gonna finish writing this book. Like I had this book when I owned my hair salon and you know, it's just, it's just time. It's well over 20 years. And she looked at me, Megan, and said, oh my gosh, that's what I'm going to school for. And I said, going to school for what? And she's like, I'm getting my doctorate in writing for women. And I'm like, huh, what? And she's like, yeah. I go, so like, you'll write articles for women? Are you gonna help women write or like, what is it? And she goes, well, it's like, she said a couple of her friends are editors or like ghostwriters for other people's books. And she goes, that's one of the things that she wants to do. And I go, would you be interested? I know that you're still in school, but would you be interested in helping me? Like, I've never known a ghostwriter. Or an editor like this close, like this, like I know her, and she said, "Sure." I go, "Are you sure?" She goes, "Yeah." I go, "I have the stories. I just need you to edit it, like just it. because I'll be honest, I don't spell. I don't know grammar really well. It's just, but I have the story," and she goes, "Yeah," and I said, "Okay, I'll I'll call you," you know, and and like a couple weeks had went by, and I had said, "Okay." I go, let me, let me put my things together and wrap my head around this. And then we we talked on the phone and said, are you really interested in it? And she said, yes. So I explained it to her and I said, this is what I'm doing. And I go, I want you to think about it. And then I said, don't tell me right now, but just tell me how much you want to charge me. If you want to charge me, you know, per chapter or, you know, per book or, you know, like you need to figure that out and then get back with me. And again, a month had passed now, and we were full blown. Exactly one month later, uh, in quarantine, like I'll never forget, it. I was. We were in quarantine, and I was sitting on my deck, and I thought, "Oh my God, this is an opportune time to write." Like I have time. There is like absolutely no excuse now not to finish this book. And I called Megan and I said, this is my time, I'm going to do it. I just need to know, you know, like how much is this going to cost me? So I can tell my husband because I was so worried about money and no idea. And you know, not that I had to have permission from my husband, but you know, this is a, it's mine and my husband's, you know, it's, he's involved. Like if money's involved, you you know, you gotta, you gotta talk to your partner about it and. You know, my husband was so gung-ho about me finishing this book, and I had told him what she was going to charge, and he's like, do it. You got the time. There's no excuse, and I go, that's what I said to myself, and that was it. Um, I started writing again, and through that nine weeks, I pretty almost, almost finished the book, and then you know I would send her some chapters and then she sent it back and I was just like blown away like how she tweaked it and you know just made it even just I came and described like she's very talented and the way that she took my story and just made it even I don't know deeper I want to say that it just seemed deeper or richer and the, the quality of course of the of the writing was just so great and I just was so happy and we just kept going and we kept going. And then unfortunately there was a, a huge lull. Like I want to say, I want to say, I don't know, nine months, maybe 10 months. And it was on, you know, Megan's side. She had stuff going on and, um, she just, she just couldn't do it. She just couldn't take the time and, And she just, it was just, it was, it stopped. And I'll never forget because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm at a standstill again. Now that I'm, you know, propelling forward and feel, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. And I kept reaching out to her and, and you know, she she didn't call me back or she didn't email me back. And then I started to get like nervous and, and sick to my stomach and think, oh my gosh, this isn't gonna get done. And I was worried like something happened to her and did I say something to her? Did I offend her? You know, like, you you know, I hate this because all these like little enemies like we all have, you know, the the self-doubt and the fear and, you know, you start to assume and all of that stuff just it was like daily for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I had to like literally shut myself down. And then I had to turn myself off on the book and just let it happen when it was supposed to happen and I was ready to just give up and find another editor and I remember you know writing a letter to her telling her just how much do I owe her I, I really need to move on I need to finish this book for me and and it just it needs to get done and I really wanted it to get done um not that I expected it in 2020 but I really wanted it to be done in 2021 and that was when that was that big, big, big lull. And um, I didn't hear from her. And then finally, I finally heard from her. And she apologized and said, um, if you want someone else to finish it, I totally understand, but I'm more than willing to finish it. And you know, I discussed it with my husband and we both agreed You know, that just for me in the world that I'm in, energetically, that's just another person, another energy in my book. And I, I don't think it would have the, would have had the same energy and the same feel that it, that it had. And so I said, no, I said, I, I'll, I'll be patient and I'll, I'll wait for you. And when you can, you know, fit me in, um, well, it'll get done when it's supposed to get done. And you know, it, it finally, actually almost two years to the day it got done. And if it wasn't for friends, I had my husband read it, I had my friend Ralphie, he read it. I know, you're thinking men, right? Men. But I wanted it to to get a different perspective, actually from a man's standpoint. or You know, because it really is all about women, and it's really designed for women are really going to understand it more and especially if you're a yogi and especially if you've gone to a hair salon or if you know a hairdresser or whatever you know like I just feel like women it's just going to connect with and to hear their point of view from both of them my husband said I might offend some people because of the language or stuff that went on and I said I go but that's what went on like it you know that's that's what happened and Ralphie loved it He he said he's like Jean there was serious stuff, there was funny stuff, there was like, you know, like inspirational stuff. There was all kinds of like, there was definitely a roller coaster of different emotions. Um, and he said he liked that. It just wasn't, you know, the same throughout because there was, the stories are different. And you know, I, then I had to have my, my youngest read it. now. My youngest, if you know Sage, she's very driven, um, very good with the computer and all that kind of stuff. But so is my older daughter. My older daughter can write. Like, I see my older daughter writing a book when she has the time. But my younger one, she could probably write a book, too. She's, she's always been really good with grammar and all of that. She read this book three times for me. I just want you to know that. My youngest daughter read this book three times because we kept finding things. And then we I forgot a, a chapter and then we had to throw that chapter in, so I needed her to, to read it and, and again it we I changed it to a to it was gonna be like a personal thing, like it was actually me. And then we thought, no, we can't. We can't do it in, in a real life version. It's gotta be fictional just to protect the innocent. So I wanted to protect the innocent and I I um it's fictional. The book is fictional. But Um, the stories are, are real. And it's, it is a a story that I felt like, you know, anybody can, can relate to if they've had a business or you can relate to it if you've been divorced or you can relate to it if you're a woman raising children or trying to find your purpose or you know you can relate to it if you always felt like you're in survival mode. Like there's so many different aspects of this book that I think a woman can relate to. And because so many, many years I always felt like like this stuff was only happening to me. And this stuff has happened to everybody, in a sense, in in some way or shape or form, or maybe not. And, y- you know, y- you might learn something. I don't know. So uh, the book is, is done. I, I'm waiting on, believe it or not, Amazon to uh, finish all of the editing, because they, they go through it, formatting and editing, too, and, and put it into form. Uh, we've had major kind of issues with the book cover of where i got the book cover from and just getting that cooperation which is you know i've always you know i tell my students right it's those it's those obstacles right it's the obstacles that are teaching us the most and i've felt like i've had obstacle and obstacle fear doubt um you name it in my path you know life isn't easy right and I just, um I listened to all these inspirational things and recently I heard they're like, you know, you're, you're never successful when it's just smooth sailing. You know, you're successful when you're um in the arena, like Brene Brown says, and you're getting kicked and you're getting punched and and, you know, and, and it's, it's through the blood and the sweat and the tears. And I think I've had every one of those with this book. And it's such an easy book. It's not like you're, it's not a novel. It's not like a book that you're going to read for a week. You're going to read it in a day, three hours, really. It's one of those simple little books that you could bring on the beach and, you know, read on an airplane. But it's, it's one of those that you hopefully enjoy and, and um, share it and buy it for a girlfriend or your mother or your sister and definitely your hairdresser. So, um, I, I regret a little bit that I didn't put more in it of just stuff that went on in the salon. Like I, I didn't add that, that, you know, the, the people that worked for me at this salon, like a lot of them worked for me for like eight to 10 years and we became this family and we, we went away for many years, i don't even know how many years in a row we went to Vegas together, like the whole salon and went to the paul mitchell hair show and we oh my God, we've had so much fun and stories, and i didn't I didn't put those stories in in the book and, and I regret that i I didn't add that um, those stories of of us in vegas um that's probably a good thing, but Whatever you know goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas, and, and that's kind of what it was about. Um, we just had so much fun, like that kind of stuff, and and just to know, like we 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 went through marriages and went through divorces together, and and we breakups together, and friendships you know ended and friendships you know got deeper, and there was just so much that went on. I owned the salon for for eleven years total. I kept the name for another three years. And that's when I went on my own. But I did sell the actual, like, the goods, I should say. Uh, not the clientele or or the name. To one of my, um, one of the longest hairdressers that stayed with me. Her name was Lisa. And and she bought it. And it was like a bittersweet kind of uh, uh, ending. I knew it was time. Because my, my husband actually got transferred he- here in Texas. And I knew eventually we probably um, would get married and move and I knew it had to be. So, you know, we were trying to like downsize and and try to just make life just a little bit simpler. And I needed to make it simpler because he was a big help. My husband with anything that broke or, you know, if we needed fixed or whatever, my, my husband was there. Like he, he was a big part of all of that maintenance and, um, my mom and dad are a big part of this story because they were up there a lot. Uh, But there was like things that I I did leave out and you know I did regret doing that but you know I I do want to do a little shout out to all the women and and even Antonio that worked for me. Uh, It was probably uh, the highlight of my life other than my children and and, um, owning that salon I never ever ever regretted walking through that door not one day I loved it I loved every minute of it, and I loved every single client and my friends that supported me through all of that I will be forever grateful um you know the the friendships that I had with Lisa and Catherine and and Lori and um we had a couple lorries actually, that were um, Daniela, Danielle, and, you know, they were just really special. Um, Stephanie, I had two Stephanies that I loved and adored, but, you know, it was just, those are memories that land on my heart space so big that I, I kind of get emotional a little bit thinking about um how i love these these people and it wouldn't have been successful without them so um thank you to you ladies hopefully you'll listen to the podcast and read the book but enjoy the book um i'd love to have feedback it's just it's just a simple little accomplishment and and to encourage people to do it it's so easy now there's so many people that are ghostwriters. There's so you know Amazon really is easy. The only thing that's been holding me up now for a couple weeks is, is that book cover, which where I got it from, which I definitely would not do again. I definitely would go through Amazon because they do all that, and they make it so easy. So, um, I I already know that I'm probably going to write another book, um, a couple of them. One is a, a very personal story, and then um, a yoga yoga yin book. I think it's time to write my own yin book. Um, it's it's a love of mine. I, I approach it in a different way. So, you know, once you start to accomplish things, you start to open up doors and you get courageous and um, confident, but it does take a tribe. It does take um, a group of people to support you. And I think because I had the support and I had all my friends here, I had a great great handful of friends here in Texas that have always supported me. Um, you know, Julie and and Nan have always been there and my friend Misty and, and, um, Mary, like there's been so many people that know that I've been writing the book and, and, you know, it, it does make a difference when you have your, your support group. So, um, Thank you so much. Uh, Enjoy it. And until next time, everyone, much love. Hi, this is Jean. Each week on our Sister Tribe 1.2 podcast, we strive to provide you with the tools to empower each and every one of you to find your true self. Be sure to tune in next week where I touch on another beautiful element in our journey of discovery. In the meantime, find us on Instagram and Facebook and join our private women's group. And don't forget to subscribe. Namaste.